0: Okay, so thank you everybody for staying to listen to my talk today. Um, I'm going to be talking about clinical audit experiences of veterinary surgeons undertaking farm animal work in the UK. So because farm vets work largely in splendid isolation, good things may not be passed on and bad things may never come to light. We probably need clinical audit in farm practice more than anything else. I've been working on clinical audit as part of my PhD for the last three years, and during that time, I've collected um, quite a number of opinions, experiences, and attitudes from vets working in farm animal practice that have conducted clinical audits. So my PhD has consisted really of three main areas. Um, So as with all PhDs, I started off with a literature review. Um, This was quite interesting. Clinical audit, uh, there's a lot of information about it in the medical profession, and obviously that's where we got it from. There's literature dating back um, with reference to audit being used in medicine back to about 1910. So they've been doing it really for quite a long time. And they're at a very, I'd say, sort of a fairly advanced stage of clinical auditing. So they have lots of evidence-based guidelines and they often tend to audit against those. The literature that exists um, about veterinary clinical audit tends to focus on small animal practice and equine practice. And there's very little information about the use of clinical audit in farm animal practice specifically. So I've been working with three practices over the last three years to conduct clinical audit both retrospectively and prospectively and we've really learnt quite a lot from these three practices about how to conduct audit in farm practice um, and really the facilitators, the barriers to conducting audit, and any sort of problems with the process. The other part of my PhD was to conduct a nationwide survey, and this was to gather the attitudes and experiences of farm animal practitioners towards the use of clinical audit, and this is what I'm going to focus on today. So the plan for today, I'm going to give a quick introduction to clinical audit so that we're all sort of on the same page, and then I'm going to go through the survey that we conducted and the results that we gained from that. So a brief look at what clinical audit is. So clinical audit can be defined as the assessment and improvement of clinical care provided to patients. So it's basically about looking at what you do and trying to make it better. And this definition is taken from the early days of clinical audit in medicine, so around about the 1950s, um, before they started having the uh, large amounts of evidence and guidelines that they currently use today. So I think there's lots of different types of clinical audit, so different ways that you can do the process, and this is just a few of them. You could do a process audit, which considers how things are done. So this might be just looking at what you do in practice. It might be comparing your practice against guidelines or protocols or standards that exist in the literature. You could do an outcome audit, which evaluates the results of your care. And again, this might be looking at what happens in your practice and using that first round of audit as a a benchmark to be sort of moving on and comparing to. Or it might be that there's some standards that exist in the literature that you can compare your findings to. You could do a structure audit, and this basically looks at the kit that you've got available to you. And this might be the kit that's available in the practice. Um, It might be the kit that that is available in your vehicle so that you've actually got access to when you're out on farm. And all three of these um, uh, clinical audits can be done retrospectively by looking at data that already exists or prospectively by collecting data at the time that the service is delivered. So another type of clinical audit is a significant event audit, and these can be run in response to good or bad events. So these are always retrospective just by the nature of them, and it's all about discussing what's happened and if it was something bad, trying to make sure it doesn't happen again, or if it was good, trying to make sure that that those sort of positive points are are taken forward. So whatever type of clinical audit that you do, um, you should be able to use this uh, five-point clinical audit cycle. So firstly, you need to prepare for your clinical audit... You then collect data. Once you've collected that data, it needs to be analyzed and then discussed. And then you decide whether you need to make any changes to make some improvements or not. And if you do, you go on to make those changes. And then at a specific uh, period in the future, you then re-audit to see whether those changes have made any difference. So I'm going to use this cycle just to give a very, um, sort of fairly quick uh, uh, run through of a clinical audit example. And I've chosen um, a fairly simple order example that I think anybody could go away and do in practice tomorrow. So the first stage of the cycle, preparation. And I think as with anything in life, uh, the more time you put into preparing something, the better the results you're going to get from it. So preparing for clinical audit, I think, is really important. You need to decide who's going to be involved in the audit. You need to decide uh, how you're going to collect your data. You need to choose a topic. Uh, you need to search the literature to see whether there's any in- information that does exist. You need to think about the resources that you've got available to you as a practice. Every single practice is different. So you have different staff resources different uh, time and and knowledge resources that you can access so for my fictional audit in my fictional practice I choose to audit um, my car boots I want to know uh, what car boots we've uh, what we've got uh, in our car boots the equipment and the medicines and whether there's anything that needs changing So uh, for the subject of car boots, there's not really anything in the literature about exactly what I should have uh, in my car. So I'm going to collect the information and the other couple of vets in my practice are also going to collect the same information from their car boots. And we'll have a discussion to see what we've got. Ideally, with clinical audits, you um, should run a pilot audit before you get started, especially if it's something that's going to be... going on over a long period of time. Uh, With my car boot audit, it's kind of a sort of um, one-off event, so I just need to check that my data collection sheet can be understood by everybody. So then move on to collecting data. And to collect the data, I've just developed a very simple and very short, for the purposes of this talk, data collection collection sheet. Saying that, it could be this short in practice. You don't need to collect um, a lot of information for an audit to be beneficial. So three very simple questions, are all the drugs in date, do you have equipment you've never used, and do you have any equipment missing? So I look at my car and I fill in the form. I've got three bottles of -of out-of-date antibiotic, I've got a horse twitch that I don't use anymore because I don't do horse practice, and I've got a so that's been in my car but I haven't really used it and I feel like I might have lost my confidence with that procedure. I'd also really like an agas pump, I never have one when I need one um, and that would be quite useful. So moving on to the stage of analyzing data and discussing what I've found, I put the findings from the three vets in my fictional practice into um, a very simple table. This could be done by hand. You don't need to do this by computer. And there are a few things that we think need to be changed. So vet one's got an Agas pump they don't use, vet two does a lot of horse stuff, needs a horse twitch, and then obviously the findings from my car boot. So we talk about whether we think we need to make any changes, um, and we think we do. So I take the Agas pump from vet one, I give my horse switch to vet two, um, we talk about how different people do different calf castrations, and I decide to go out with one of the other vets to update my knowledge, um, and we also talk about stock rotation um, and how we should keep and store the drugs in our car. Three months later, we re-audit to see whether anything's changed. My car boot's looking nice and tidy. After the last audit, I was inspired to tidy it up and clean everything and sort everything out. And we use the same data collection form to collect more information. And as you can see, things are looking a lot better, but this time I've got two bottles of out-of-date local anaesthetic in my car. So again, we talk about how we should be um, sorting the drugs, checking that we've got the, uh, all, the, all the meds are in date, that we're not um, having any drug wastage. So this is just a really um, sort of straightforward audit that I think anybody could do. I think the thing with clinical audit, it's really important to remember that every single practice is different. Every single practice is going to have different resources, they'll have different questions, they'll have different things they want to know about, and they're going to benefit from different clinical audits in different ways. So clinical audit is all about making sure that it fits your practice and and that you're going to get benefits from it. So why do we audit? Well, obviously, the main thing and the main focus should be that it's all about improving patient care, and that's very important. But also, it's quite interesting from a practice point of view. It lets you see what people do in your practice. It gives you an idea of what people like to use, what equipment you might be lacking or what you might have excess of, um, if there's any training courses that people need to go on. It's a good way to incorporate evidence-based veterinary medicine into practice, so every clinical audit should, in theory, um, involve a literature search of the topic. You might not find exactly what you're looking for, but there might be information out there that maybe brings you a bit more up-to-date or gives you a little bit more information. And from a professional development point of view, uh, it's quite good at encouraging people to think about what they're doing, to have a look at their outcomes, as well as obviously counting towards um, CPD requirements. And we know that the RCVS um, are quite keen on clinical audit, so they suggest that we conduct clinical audit through the Code of Professional Conduct and through the Practice Standard Scheme, um, again, all along the lines of, sort of clinical governance and improving patient care. So moving on now to talk about the nationwide survey that I conducted last summer. So the aims of the nationwide survey were to collect the experiences and the attitudes of farm animal um, vets working in the UK that conduct clinical audit or those sort of attitudes towards clinical audit. I had a look at the literature that um, already existed, and in human medicine, there's quite a lot of information collecting the opinions of doctors towards clinical audit and looking at the uh, barriers, um, facilitators, sort of advantages and disadvantages of using the process. So Groll and uh, Wenzig from 1995 um, found that you can introduce quality improvement tools into a profession, but that doesn't necessarily mean they get implemented, and that was a study um, where they interviewed some GPs. And um, Johnson and uh, others in 2000 suggested that if you want clinical audit to be beneficial, you need to take the views and the opinions of the practitioners into account um, when you're trying to sort of develop the process. So those were things that we thought this is um, probably a fairly useful thing to do. Bradley Viner, um, as part of his master's and doctorate work, um, collected the opinions um, Of veterinary surgeons working in practice, but this didn't focus specifically on farm animal vets and what they were doing um, and how they found or sort of perceived clinical audit to be useful to them. So, what did we do? Um, We designed a questionnaire. So we did a cross-sectional survey and designed a questionnaire on SurveyMonkey that was an online questionnaire. And this questionnaire had four main parts to it. So we wanted to know the background of the individuals that were taking part in the questionnaire. We wanted to know what current knowledge they had of clinical audit, and also what education they'd received on clinical audit um, at university and also as CPD. We wanted to know what experience they had of clinical audit, so had they been involved in setting up clinical audits, had they participated in clinical audits, and we wanted to know what they thought about the process, did they think it was useful or not. So we developed this questionnaire, and it was pre-tested within the Centre for Evidence-Based Veterinary Medicine at Nottingham. And it was also piloted by nine farm animal vets working in practice and um, appropriate changes made before it was then distributed. And we distributed it uh, online. So we, I searched the RCBS Finder Vet website for practices that conducted cattle and sheep work um, and pulled off the emails for the practices um, that said that they did cattle and sheep work. And I got about 570 practices from there. These emails obviously were then just going out to a practice email address, it could have been one of the vets, it could have been the practice manager, um, it could have been just their general kind of information email, so the, um, I called the email Nottingham Vets need helps, uh, Needs Help from Farm Vets, um, so that we sort of uh, didn't use the words research, survey or questionnaire to try and um, keep it quite positive and hopefully get people wanting to be involved. And within the email itself, I asked for people to forward it on to anybody that did farm animal practice work um, within their practice. BCBA also distributed the questionnaire for us through their newsletter and uh, online on their website, Uh, and the Sheep Veterinary Society also distributed to their uh, list of members that had an email address. We also sent it around on social media, so it got shared on Facebook and on Twitter, Reminders were sent via email at week four and week six, and the survey then closed at week eight, and we sent sporadic reminders um, out on social media. So I downloaded the information from SurveyMonkey into a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. Um, Mainly the uh, results are just described, sort of descriptive methods, um, but I did use Pearson's chi-squared to see if there was any correlation between people that had conducted clinical audit with either their year of graduation, their caseload, their work pattern, or education that they had received on clinical audit, either undergraduate or postgraduate. And I also used inductive thematic analysis to analyse the free text results. So moving on to look at the results... We had 332 respondents um, take part in the survey, which I was quite pleased about. Um, and this was over a course of eight weeks. So just as we move through the results, although we had 332 people respond, um, most of the questions were optional. So where the numbers don't make sense, it's because people haven't, have, chosen, have chosen to miss that question out or that question didn't um, relate to them. So for anybody that's interested that's doing anything um, similar to this, uh, the, our biggest response was actually through the emails that I sent to those practice email addresses um, on the RCBS find a, Web, find a vet website and had a really good response through that um, quite a few through Facebook and BCBA um, and a few through the Sheep Veterinary Society as well and, and a few people received the link um, through more than uh, one of those and I suspect that number maybe a little bit higher as well um, but they were very polite about it, it was fine <laughs> so just have a quick look at the caseload of the practitioners that responded to the questionnaire So we had about 45% of the participants said that they worked purely in farm animal practice, and the rest indicated that they worked in some form of mixed practice. So either equine and farm, small and farm, or um, truly mixed practice, small uh, equine and farm. So this is the year of graduation of our participants. Um, So obviously the 2010s, um, that's not quite a whole decade yet, um, but we had quite a large representative uh, from recent graduates, about 50% of the respondents um, would be classed um, as recent graduates through the BCBA's uh, sort of uh, less than eight years qualified uh, young vet network type um, definition. So a really good representative of, of more recent graduates. And I suspect this possibly represents the uh, spread of graduates that are working in farm animal practice um, at the moment. So first question was, uh, have you heard of clinical audit when we started asking them about clinical audit? And this was probably one of the most interesting results uh, of the questionnaire. So nearly a third of the participants either hadn't heard or weren't sure if they'd heard of clinical audit before. We asked them if they'd been involved in clinical audit in any species. And again, really interesting results. Um, About half of the, nearly half of the people have been involved in clinical audit, but we still had quite a large proportion and even more that hadn't or weren't sure if they'd conducted clinical audit or been involved in clinical audit in practice. So we asked people to define clinical audit, and um, we had about 219 people do this for us. Um, We did ask them not to search or try and use any resources for this question, um, and there was definitely only a couple of people that Googled it um, and came up with exactly the same definition as as you find on Google when when you uh, search for it. So a really large proportion of people talked about clinical audit assessing, reviewing, evaluating, analysing, appraising or monitoring some kind of clinical practice or clinical standards. We had quite a few people talk about finding the best technique or treatment um, and this is quite an interesting sort of definition that that was written by quite a few people. I think this probably is clinical research um, so I'm going to block it off for today. Unfortunately, there were quite a few sort of negative definitions of clinical audit. So people consider it to be being checked up on, having my work investigated, caseload accounting. And I think it's a shame that people feel like that. And and really, that's not what clinical audit is. And and it definitely shouldn't be all about uh, being checked up on um, and and feeling like people are looking at what you're doing and about to criticise it. There were a few people that mentioned the use of protocols in clinical audit, either that it was about creating protocols, auditing against protocols, or that clinical audit was itself a protocol. More mentions of protocols ra- rather than guidelines, um, and again, this was quite interesting. Um, I think protocols and guidelines is a whole other kind of kettle of fish, but I think it certainly can be a type of clinical audit if you're sort of creating or uh, creating protocols and then auditing against them but I'm not sure it has to be everything that clinical audit is about so moving on to look at their undergraduate education Um, so the majority of people hadn't had any teaching on clinical audit while they were at vet school and 20 of these 23 that had received um, undergraduate education graduated after 2010 so very recent graduates Again, postgraduate education, we had three quarters of people that hadn't had any kind of CPD on clinical audit um, and a few people that that had had some postgraduate education on, on the process. So we asked the participants what their involvement in farm animal clinical audit had been. We wanted to know whether they'd led clinical audit and set it up um, or whether they'd just participated in an audit being set up by somebody else. And there was about 26 people that had set up and run clinical audit in practice, but getting on for 100 that had actually participated in it. And we've still got a few that weren't sure. We wanted to know why people had conducted the most recent farm animal clinical audit. And um, really interestingly, the... The the, uh, the, the response that we got most often was that they just wanted to see what happened in their practice Um, and I think that's really useful. I think it's very positive um, that it's all kind of about uh, gathering information. Quite a few that were trying to meet the RCBS practice standard scheme requirements um, and again a few that it was a result of a significant event within the practice. So we asked them what topic their most recent clinical audit had been on we had a huge number say that they had looked at cesarean sections in cattle, and this isn't a surprise at all. Excel vets have been running a um, s- clinical audit looking at cesarean sections in cattle um, over the last few years. Um, the latest uh, information that was published said it's taken part in 49 practices, and they've had about 4,500 cases collected. So not surprised that that was the majority um, of the, the mentions when we asked people what their most recent clinical audit had been conducted on. But we had lots of other subjects. Um, people say lots of other subjects as well. So people had audited LGAs, mastitis, BBD, TB, digit amputations, enucleation protocols, metritis, scarring calves. And um, we had one vet say that they'd done a significant event audit for a cow that had died on a TB test. So the topics weren't just restricted to... Um, Uh, sort of on-farm or animal-side clinical audit topics. People talked about auditing communication within their practice. They talked about auditing lab work and medicines, and that was either medicines in the practice or medicines within their vehicles. And also a few people had audited um, the cleanliness of their vehicles from a sort of biosecurity point of view. So lots of different topics um, mentioned. So we asked the vets that had set up and run their clinical audits what advice they would give to other vets that were setting up and running clinical audit for the first time. Involve all vets. Communicate well. Learn how to use Excel spreadsheets. Relies on vets recording data accurately. And participation of staff ebbs over time. It needs to be simple and easy to gather the information. It's well worth it. Be prepared for arguments. Once you start, make sure you finish. And it's not easy, difficult to get records, and to get busy people to participate. So moving on to people that participated in clinical audit, we asked them how many audits they'd taken part in. So is this something that there's lots of happening all all the time or is it something that has only happened a few times or happens occasionally? And the majority of people said that they'd participated in one or two clinical audits. But we did have a few um, saying that they'd participated in five or ten or even more than ten clinical audits. So some people that are really doing it quite often. We wanted to know how well informed people were being kept um, about the clinical audits that were happening within their practice. And generally, the majority of people did feel that they were being kept well informed of all stages. So, um, over 80% felt that they were well informed of the initial aims of the audit. Uh, We had nearly 90% feel that they were aware of how the audit process was being conducted um, in the practice. And then those numbers start to drop off a little bit as you get through the audit process and towards the finish. So only just over 60% of people felt they were well informed about the final results of the audit. So we asked the vets that have participated in clinical audit what advice they would give to other people that were about to participate in audit. Get involved. Ensure all involved are aware of key areas, information gathering and results. Take as much information on board from it that you can, but do not be ashamed of underperformance due to -to day-to-day constraints. There's a big difference between pencil pushing, gold standards, and actually being in the field. They also said, get someone enthusiastic and who knows what they're doing to run it. Don't choose cases for submission, plenty to learn from, nothing to fear. And record all relevant cases, even those that you think might have a poor outcome. And give honest and full details. So we wanted to know the um, participants' kind of attitudes towards clinical audit and and what they felt about it. Um, The first line shows that uh, nearly 80% of the participants felt that clinical audit was quite time-consuming, and this certainly fits with work that's been done before and, and work from the medical profession. But other than that, people generally were very positive about clinical audits, so they felt that it improves their professional development, that it's fairly interesting, um, that it brings financial benefit to practice, can improve job satisfaction, and over 90% of people felt that it can improve or agreed that it can improve clinical standards in veterinary practices. So we asked the participants for any further comments that they had about clinical audits. They said time is needed for the audit process. They said it's an interesting exercise, but difficult to communicate externally. More teaching should be done at vet schools. Audit is fun, and audit is worthwhile. So just ending on a few positive notes. So what do we sort of make of all of this? I think there's a massively varied understanding of clinical audit in farm animal practitioners. So we've got quite a significant number that haven't heard of the process, and then we've got people um, that really are very aware of the process, understand it, can define it, um, and seem to be carrying it out quite a lot. So it definitely varies at sort of involvement in the process, and the definitions really were, were, were really very varied. So although we did have the majority of people talking about assessing, about monitoring, about evaluating, um, there were some um, other definitions as well that, that really sort of didn't fit with what clinical audit should be about. And for me, this wasn't a massive surprise. Um, while I was doing my literature review probably took me about 18 months to really understand what clinical audit was and how you can actually go about doing it. Um, So I think it's something that we can use when we're producing our guidance to really make a very clear statement about what clinical audit is and how it can be done. I think we've got quite a large knowledge gap in current practicing farm animal vets um, with regards to clinical audit. So our results suggest that clinical audit was introduced into the veterinary undergraduate curriculum in time for the 2010 uh, cohort to graduate, which means we've got a huge number of vets working in practice that have never had any education on clinical audit um, and may or may not have been to any CPD on the subject. So we need to take that into consideration um, when we're producing guidance for them or when we're asking vets to conduct it. So a very varied experience of clinical audit within practice. Um, As we saw before, there's some people that have set up clinical audits. there's some people that have participated in one or two, through to people that have been involved in in multiple clinical audits. And this is really going to depend on the practice that they're in and on the individual um, and possibly on other factors such as whether they've had postgraduate education on it. The topics that were suggested that people had conducted audit on were really, really varied. And I think this um, really supports the fact that I think you can audit um, a lot of things in veterinary practice. It really doesn't have to be confined just to surgery um, or or just to sort of wound healing rates post-surgery and things. There's lots and lots of different things that you can look at. If the evidence doesn't exist, you can look at it, discuss it within your practice, use that as a benchmark moving forward um, and sort of go from there. Generally, the attitudes towards clinical audit seem to be fairly positive, and this fits with um, the findings from the medical profession. So again, in in hospitals, um, in, in GP practices, doctors tend to be fairly positive about clinical audit and how useful it can be. But then there's lots of um, barriers to the process that are listed or lots of sort of disadvantages. So the classics being the time that it takes, the resources it requires, the knowledge it requires, um, and the support. So again, all things that we need to take into consideration when we're producing any guidance to sort of help people conduct audit in practice. So this was the first study that really focused purely on the use of clinical audit in farm animal practice. Um, But as with most studies, there were some, some limitations to it. So we can't be 100% sure that everybody's been 100% honest all of the time. There may be some recall bias involved. We were asking them about their most recent clinical audit, and this may have been last week or it could have been five years ago. There was probably some selection bias. We only sent this questionnaire out electronically. Um, So for people that either don't use a computer or don't have the internet um, or just didn't see the questionnaire or didn't want to complete the questionnaire, there is going to be some selection bias associated with the survey. The study didn't really take into consideration people that were currently running clinical audits um, as much as it potentially could have done a lot of the questions asked about the most recent clinical audit and obviously that could have been one that was currently happening um, and therefore hadn't finished so where there was a number of people that felt that they were less well informed of the final results it maybe they were involved in an audit that, that hadn't actually finished finished by then. And I used some skip logic on SurveyMonkey, which basically means if you answer a question uh, with yes or no, you can be taken down different paths. Um, And there was um, a couple of areas where the skip logic took people to the wrong places, and we think that affected between about five and ten participants. It wasn't a huge number, but it then meant that their answers had to be taken out of later stages if if they'd kind of been sent to the wrong place. So what future work do um, I think could be done on the use of clinical audit in farm animal practice? We'll certainly get some guidance on how to conduct audit in practice uh, would be very useful. There currently isn't really anywhere that people can go to find out how to do it and how to get started in practice. Financial costs and benefits. Now, this is a bit of an interesting one. Clinical audit obviously can't be all about financial benefits, but obviously we are dealing with businesses, we are dealing with, with people that can't just have a whole team of clinical audits on site working all the time. So... Another piece of work that I think might be useful would be to look at the um, costs of clinical audit and the benefits. And I think probably there's direct and indirect costs of audit and direct and indirect benefits of clinical audit. So trying to get an idea of um, how much the processes, um, sort of costs, practices um, may or may not be helpful. I think some kind of clinical audit hub, so somewhere where people can go to get some guidance on clinical audit, to maybe get um, a simple data collection sheet for a suggested audit, and to see examples of other audits that people have already done, either just for interest, to give them ideas for clinical audits um, on how to do it, um, or so that they can have a look at the results they got and use some standards from them. We are massively lacking um, in the kind of evidence-based standards to be used in clinical audit, uh, so I think every person that every practice that runs a clinical audit has to bear this into take this into consideration thinking about how their practice fits with any standards that do exist um, or if the standards don't exist at all but I think certainly having a free resource that people can access would be really useful and I wonder if they this may be um, a good place for this might be veterinary evidence Uh, so I'll just put that out there now (laughs) So just to summarise, um, certainly this questionnaire all sh- this survey showed that there's a very varied use of clinical order in the farm animal practice, but that actually attitudes tend to be generally quite positive. There are, however, a lot of points to consider, um, a lot of barriers that have been raised, a lot of disadvantages and advantages of the process, and all these things really need to be taken into consideration if we're expecting farm animal vets to do this in practice and, ex- and expecting it to sort of be successful and, and have some good results. So if you are thinking um, about conducting clinical audit, just a little motivational quote for you at the end, just do it because you might surprise yourself. So I just want to say a big thank you to all the veterinary surgeons who participated um, in the questionnaire and um, provided all the results. Also, thank you to the practices that I've been working with over the last three years on the project. They've uh, worked very hard um, with us, and we've really created some very useful and, and helpful information. uh, The photo has been provided by the University of Nottingham and the Vet School Flickr account, John Wayne and John Remnants. And the funding, my PhD is, um, I'm based in the Centre for Evidence-Based Veterinary Medicine and that's funded by an unrestricted grant from Elanco Animal Health and the University of Nottingham. And thank you to my supervisors, Marnie, Chris, Rachel and John. And just a little plug for um, some new CPD that's being run by the CVM um, starting in 2017.